What is good, everybody? Welcome in. Welcome in to another edition of The 40 Club here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, be prepared. This is probably going to be one of the more popular and most downloaded shows that Tommy and I have ever done because of the guests that we have on today. We're thrilled to have him, but I want to introduce Tommy first before we go into our guest. Tommy, how you feeling, man? I'm doing well, man. It's been a heck of a week, but it's a good way to sort of start wrapping the week up to have a cool guest here on the 40 Club. All right. I'm going to need you to hold the wires for your Johnson County internet together because we don't want that to fall apart in the middle of the show. But uh, Tommy, appreciate you being here as always. Y'all, we want to thank Johnny T-Shirt before we get into the show. So with that said, I'm going to thank Johnny T-Shirt because they sponsor this content and all of the stuff that you've come to expect from inside Carolina over the years. And I am tickled to death that they are a sponsor because they've probably sold a lot of this guy's jerseys over the years. And we might get into some NIL name, image, and likeness stuff here in a little bit. But I'm going to tease him uh, or tease it up or teasing him for you guys. Our guest today, Consensus National Player of the Year in 2008. Three-time first-team All-American, U.S. Basketball Writers National Freshman of the Year, four-time first-team All-ACC, 2000 National Champion, and his number 50 is hanging in the rafters. If you are watching this on YouTube, you recognize the face at the bottom of our screen, but y'all, I want to welcome in, you may know him from, from the Sleephawk Worldwide podcast, but he needs no other introduction, Tyler Hansborough. Tyler, how are you doing, big man? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, that's a heck of it. I always get a little weird when uh, people say my, a few of my accolades, but I'm doing great. Yeah. Dude, I'm being honest. I had to cut some of them out, right? Like I, we, we would still be reading and we'd be 15 minutes into the show if I read everything <laughs> you'd accomplished in your career. So I had to kind of pick and choose a little bit. So forgive me, but I did make sure to get the Sleephawk worldwide plug in there for the most important part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, for the people out there that don't know, Sleephawk worldwide is a podcast that uh, me and one of my good college buddies, uh, UNC, Brandon Staten, uh, Sleep, um, started, and I'm Big Hawk. Uh, it just came about on the golf course <clears throat> organically, and so it was uh, it just something we do for fun. We talk about everything. Uh, last couple pods, we talked about the spitting cobra that got loosed in, <laughs> in Raleigh, uh, even though I was in California. And we talk about every subject. We covered the uh, Bachelor bachelorette tv shows but anything's on limit and what we do is we try to engage with more fans so a lot of times we'll go live from instagram and kind of go off of people's questions or what they want to talk about so it's been real fun well you are so you're already just you've already taken me away from my script i gotta ask what's the weirdest question you've gotten so far the weirdest question actually we haven't had any uh extremely weird question the only thing is that when we we're starting the podcast, I did a random uh, episode where I covered the the Bachelor. I think it was. Uh, let me think here. So it was the Bachelorette series. Uh, it was during. It was a. It was in the heart of COVID. Everybody was inside. Somehow, uh, the the Bachelorette was was about to go on, and so I was like, "All right, me and my mom watched the Bachelor Bachelorette. So <laughs> I'm gonna get on our podcast. I'm gonna talk about it." And for some reason, we've had more fan interaction off the Bachelor, Bachelorette TV show uh, than we have in most of our podcasts. So I we just started doing uh, breakdowns after every, every episode. <laughs> so I would say that was – we. there's some things that you just can't predict uh, when you do these podcasts, and that was something that years ago I never predict, predicted or guessed that I was going to 
be doing a podcast covering the uh, Bachelor Bachelorette uh, TV show with one of my good buddies from college. But you know, what let you me figured, hold on. You know what you figured out though? You play. Everybody the hits. watches it. Yeah, you played the hits, right? You're giving the people <laughs> what they want, and that's that's the name of the game, dude. So good on you for recognizing that early. Hey, that's what we do at Sleep Hall. We we give the people what they want, and we hey, that's what that's our that's our motto. We do whatever they want us to talk about, whatever audience wants us to talk wants us to talk about. Where we go for it. So that is hilarious. Because let me tell you, there are more people that say they don't watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette that actually watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette than any other TV show in the world. I'll freely admit, I don't watch The Bachelorette. I'm not interested in seeing 30 dudes. But I check out The Bachelor <laughs> and all the other girls. So that is hilarious that uh, Tyler Hansbro and his buddies are talking about it on uh, their podcast. I'm going to have to check y'all show out and, and get into that. And I'm going to send the weirdest question, I'm sure. You could not be more right because I remember walking into uh, the Smith Center to work out after a podcast and some, you know, someone worked at the Smith Center said, you know, you're right about that one guy on The Bachelor. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I watch them all. <laughs> not just started dying. I think it's so funny. But you're right. There's a lot of people who don't uh, – won't admit to watching the show, but it, it provides some good entertainment and it's always high drama. The the guy from, you know, the last guy, I can't remember his name, that Matt plays Jake football at Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, I watch it. I know my our listeners here, Joey, are going to kill me. I mean, between, <laughs> between Nickelback, um, Tyler, that's a long story about Nickelback, but between Nickelback and now I'm to watching The Bachelor, I'm probably dead to everybody. Let's, uh, <laughs> Lord have let's mercy. get this back on the rails yeah, let's go. <laughs> who, who'd have thought it let, let, let's uh let, let me at least follow the script just a little bit let, let's let's go way back mm-hmm. Tyler Hansbro as a child as growing up I had older brothers um that kicked my butt and I had um to toughen up early and and had siblings and then friends the one question I've always wanted to ask you is where did the drive come from? Where did the intensity that you've always seemed to have, or at least you have on the court, where did that start? Where did it come from? How did it develop? I would say it came from my uh, kind of the, the community uh, where I grew up in, in a small town in Missouri, Papa Bluff. I don't think it's any one – I don't think you can contribute to any one person or – you know, any situation. It's not like I was, I I was getting my, you know, I was getting my tail kicked and I had to, you know, grow up fast and get tough. No, it was a combination of, uh, you know, being taught from some early coaches, my parents, my grandparents, my grandparents, that if you want anything in life, you got to work for it. And so I always approached it with that aspect. And I love the game of basketball. And so working at basketball to me is, is something that I enjoy. I never viewed it as, oh, man, I got to go in here and work. Like, I, I love going in there and practicing my game. I love working in the post moves. I love being in the gym. I love being in the weight room. And so I also liked my teammates. And so it was always an enjoyable thing for me. And there's nothing more meditating or calm 
to me than walking into the Smith Center when nobody's in, in there and just working out, just working on some post moves. And so it's, it's I would say it's, it's not one instance where I can say, oh, that's where I really learned, learned to work. I would say it's a combination of things from coaches, uh, everyone that I was around growing up. And also I had a lot of teammates growing up that worked really hard too. So I had some pretty good examples as well. When did you figure out – you said you love basketball, and that's – I'm a firm believer. If you don't love it, you don't play at a high level, no matter what sport you're in. Um, at some point, the love has to be there. But when did you know that basketball was going to be your thing? I, I knew as soon as I, I started playing – as soon as I touched the basketball and started shooting around, I loved basketball. And – I grew to love the game. It wasn't um, it wasn't like a revelation or you know some oh this particular instance. It was I, I remember I started playing a little bit with some kids in my neighborhood, and I started you know playing pickup basketball on the playground, and I loved it. And so every day after school, I would try to work on my game, try to work on my jump shot. I'm going to start adding moves. And so that's how I grew up to uh, play basketball. And then we start getting into junior high and high school. And then I remember in high school, I was, um, I was actually real skinny. I was like six, eight, six, nine, and about, I probably won even 180 pounds. And so then I started adding the weight room to it and then nutrition at such a young age. And so I'm from the, I'm from the country. So it's not like there's a nightlife. And so we would go to bed early and we would get up, we would be at school uh, in the gym at five 30 in the morning before. And that was, I had a, um, we had a very strict high school assistant basketball coach who used to organize workouts before school. And I think it was really great for my high school team and for my development too, because it, you know, it, it instilled a little bit of discipline and um, work ethic in me as well. So um, I've, I've never viewed it as work or, you know, something that, you know, I just uh, I don't, really don't want to do it today. That's, that's really cool to hear how you kind of got the discipline and how it became kind of regimented for you. Because I think one of the things that, you know, hearing other people talk about you when you were in, in college you know, everybody always talked about how dedicated you were, but it's neat to hear kind of that backstory that it was just kind of happened, right? Like, like you said, it wasn't mm -hmm. like this one thing. It just kind of all of the different uh, ingredients in the recipe kind of led to, to kind of you developing that way. Uh, so, you know, you get to, you get to high school, you're playing at Poplar Bluff um, and you had a really, really successful high school career, especially as far as accolades and stuff. What drew you to Chapel Hill? I mean, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably a lot of things, but uh, what was it where you feel like Chapel Hill clicked for you? For me, it was Coach Williams and Coach Holiday. Um, they recruited me extremely hard. And um, at the time, University of Missouri, my home, you know, my home state university, they were in a little bit of trouble. And so some questions were up in the air about whether they're going to be able to play in the tournament and what kind of trouble they're going to be in. And I grew up a Missouri Tiger fan pretty much all the way till, yeah, I grew up a Tiger fan pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting recruited. And my relationship, Coach Holiday, 
was probably the person I was closest with. And Coach Williams recruited me extremely hard as, as well. And it was their relationship that really drew me to uh, North Carolina. And honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't the program. It wasn't all this. It was Coach Williams and Coach Holiday and my relationship and trust that uh, I had with them. Wow. They didn't guarantee me anything. And, uh, you know, they told me I was going to have to work for everything. And I like that. And also I like talking to Coach Holiday. Coach Holiday was a great person. And so we really clicked. And so I wanted to come and play here. That's awesome. I, I've, I might, I might be wrong here. So correct me, please. But I feel like uh, Inside Carolina ran a story about your official visit when you came to Chapel Hill and wasn't the weather just like terrible and you ended up being hung up in town and just all of this, I guess this amalgamation of bad stuff happened outside of your control when you visited. What was that like? It wasn't the best visit. Um, my first visit here, they had like a historic ice storm. And so all the, the whole airport, tons of cancellations. And I remember sitting in the hotel, I was stuck. And Coach Williams just called me, hey, come over to come over to my house. And at the time I had been around coach Williams so much and <laughs> I was extremely shy kid. Right. And so looking back and knowing coach Williams now, I can't imagine how annoyed he, there was probably nobody that I wanted to get on that plane. He probably wanted me on that plane more than I did. Uh, but <laughs> he, uh, I remember going over to his house and we were sitting there talking. He kept asking me if I would like anything. I said, man, coach, you're treating me like a king. No, I'm good. I can just sit here. And um, it wasn't the best visit. I didn't really click. For some reason, it wasn't the best visit. And then I took another visit. And Wes, Mil Wes Miller, one of my best friends now, hosted me on that visit. And we had a great time. And I kept in touch with uh, Coach Williams and Coach Holiday. And uh, so after my second uh, visit, all I needed was a good visit to kind of be sold on. Mm. And so after that visit – uh, Wes kind of showed me around and we did some things and it, it was a sealed deal after that visit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird how that turns out, but even somebody, you know, and you said you're, you're, a, you were a bit reserved, um, or kind of quiet and shy for somebody that would, that seemed as introverted as you did. You mentioned Wes Miller kind of helping really make that and facilitate the connection to Chapel Hill talk about some of the other guys that you really bonded with. I think the stories about you and Bob have been, uh, have become stuff of legend, but I know you're friends with a lot of the other guys that you played with and other guys that are part of the Carolina family. Do you want to talk about a little bit, some of those relationships that, that really kind of not only helped you become part of, of Carolina, but just helped you become the guy you are today? Yeah. I mean, that's such a complex question because, and I say that because North Carolina is so it's such a family atmosphere and literally if I remember lining up in the free throw line and I've never met Vince Carter in the NBA when he was with Orlando and I lined up and I said hey what's up Vince and we talked like we knew each other and so that was a very unique relationship just being part of the Carolina family and talking to a former player uh, that was really cool and I will say some of my more tight relationships, like my roommate for four years, uh, Bobby Frazier, uh, he's like a brother to me. Um, I keep, I, we probably, we're in a group text. We probably text every day. I mean, and Marcus Ginyard, uh, Danny Green, I saw Danny at Marvin's wedding and 
you know, Mike Copeland, uh, Quentin Thomas, all those guys that I played with were extremely tight and uh, even the managers. And it's a, I'm really lucky to be part of this program and to have those relationships because I think that's what makes Carolina special. I don't think there's one university out there that has the type of relationships that the players do at Carolina and you throw in the rich tradition and the former players, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not matched anywhere else. And the relationships that I built in school with the teammates that I played with, um, that was extremely special. We always stay in touch with both of them. So. That's a, you know, you talk about that Carolina family and people outside of it just don't get it. And we've talked about it with other people on this podcast. I talked to Larry Miller, who was there in the sixties. I've talked to Joey and I, you know, talked to Jawad and, and people all through the, the age. That's always the common thing is the Carolina basketball family. So it's always interesting to hear guys confirm it. And, you know, I saw Damon Grant, we had him on. I saw him at the pool one day in my neighborhood um, last summer or before COVID. And, you know, he talked about the Carolina family. It doesn't matter whether you're a guy like you with all the accolades or like you mentioned, a manager or a guy that was last off the bench. And, and so that's, that is one thing that we always try to emphasize on this show is the 40 club is legit. It is a legit Carolina family. Let me... And we talked off the air just a little bit, and I know people listening to this podcast want us to talk about specific games, specific incidences, and all that kind of stuff, and we can get into some of that. But let me ask you about – I mean, you get to Carolina, and you play as a freshman. You're obviously very good as a freshman. What is it like being a Carolina basketball player and a Carolina student? Can you talk about how that meshes? Because I know how basketball players are viewed – um, but how are, how is that for a guy like you that is an introverted guy mm-hmm. from the Midwest and now you're in Chapel Hill and it starts out very strongly on the court with you, but you're also, no matter if it did or not, you're a Carolina basketball player. Talk about that aspect of your time at Carolina. Oh, and you're also six foot nine and it's yeah. not like you can hide in a crowd, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, I probably looking back, um, I probably wanted to talk a lot more. I was just so, so, so shy back in the day that uh, I probably didn't say much. Uh, but um, no, from walking around on campus uh, as a Carolina basketball player, the students never really bothered me. Uh, it, it's uh, as crazy as that may, may sound. Uh, no, I was never really, you know, I was just part of, I was just being a student there. And so a lot of <laughs> I guess you could say when I walked into class, sometimes I'd get some extra turns and look. And But besides that, you know, I never was hounded for an autograph or anything. And if I was, it wasn't for the students, probably for like a relative or a big time family. And, you know, when, you know, after we win and we'd go out on Franklin Street and celebrate, um, we might talk about the game and in some instances or, uh, you know, they might bring it up, but, there was never like, I don't think I ever walked around campus like um, just like uh, I was just a regular student. I and mean, I know that's probably hard to believe for a lot of fans out there, but no, it was, it was not crazy for me like that. That is, um, you know, uh, 
Okay, let me ask you about the essay. I could have been oblivious to it as well. I mean, I may have just not noticed it because <laughs> I was uh, so introverted. Right. So if Joey and I jump off a fraternity house into a pool, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Talk that, that that goes for today too. Actually, we probably get a citation for being the old guys. Oh, I'd on probably bring a leg. Hey, that's a great point. Um, we did have a few drinks that day, and we were celebrating. <laughs> it was last day of class, and it. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do. I mean, that was a great time. Do I regret doing it? No, I would. No, it was it was amazing, and I have you know I had a lot of fun doing it. But uh, we laugh about it now. But you're right. Um, you know, when you do stuff like that, uh, you're going to draw some attention. But on a daily basis, just walking to class, no, nah, it was never, mm -hmm. you know, going to class and doing ordinary student things, going to eat. I, I eat by myself in the cafeteria a lot and uh, no one really bothered with me. But uh, yeah, so like doing stuff like that, you definitely get some attention because everyone's celebrating and uh, having a good time. But just average, you know, normal going to class and stuff. No, it's not. It was never crazy. Well, that's 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 cool to hear because you know a lot of people think, well, basketball players they can't be regular students. Um, they're not regular students and all. So to hear one of the one of the guys, but yeah, Joey, I'd probably still be in the hospital. But I digress. Let's um, you know, you get to Carolina and you're very good. This day and age, guys that um blow up their freshman year they're probably out of there and you had that opportunity why'd you stay at Carolina for four years uh well there was a lot of reasons and uh, again looking back I was probably as close to leaving my freshman year more than any years uh I felt like after my really? freshman year I almost left after my freshman year and then after the other mm -hmm. years I was pretty much coming back but um, I was a little homesick after my freshman year and I wasn't, I wasn't as accomplished as, you know, I had a really good year, but you know, all those records that I broke were later down the road. And so they weren't on really yeah. on the horizon. And I thought about it and I talked it over with my family. That's that, that right there is probably the, the only time I've ever talked it over with my whole family. And, um, but then I decided to come back and that was really good. Um, but after my freshman year, the only other time I really thought about it was after, uh, my junior year. And I remember I made a phone call to my grandpa. I talked to my dad and mom there. They were pretty much going to support me no matter what I did. And I had a very close relationship with my grandpa. He's passed away now, but he was the first person on his side of the family to get an education. And so education to him was extremely important. And mm. I remember I called him and I told him I was thinking about leaving. He said, you better go back to school. And so, and right after I hung up the phone right there, I was going back to school. And so that really helped make my decision. And looking back, it was probably one of the best decisions I've made. So I love that you are able to kind of put things in that context. I think all of us can, can relate to that one person in life who can ground us no matter what, right? Like you can always ask them one question and whether it's what you expected or not, they can always kind of give you that smack back to reality. I, I, I kind of, I appreciate you being, being honest with that. Let me, so here's a question for you. You talked about, you know, 
you wouldn't have changed um, any of that. Is there something that you would have changed if you could do, if you could do four years at Carolina all over again, what would you do? What would you do different? Put it that way. I wouldn't change a thing uh, because <laughs> that's easier to say now. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I had such a good experience and not everyone that comes to Carolina is going to do the things that I did. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, there is, I was so lucky and looking back, I was lucky to have the teammates I did. I was lucky to be, you know, part of such a special program. And it's, uh, it's amazing when I was in high school, how I didn't see all these things um, before I came here. And you looking back on uh, my career in North Carolina, uh, you really start to appreciate all the things that come with it. Because when you're in, in school and you're part of the program, you really don't you really don't notice those things because you're you're focused on certain things and then when you get older when you start to appreciate more things in life you realize man that was really great and so you know i would say three or four years after i had uh left carolina i was talking to mm -hmm. phil ford and he was telling me you know tyler a lot of a lot of these kids don't go back to their school or just once they graduate and they're done playing, they never go back to that school. And I was just, I was mind blown at that. And I, you know, I started asking other people and it is true. And so looking back, you know, you start to appreciate all those things. And so I probably wouldn't change much. There might be some few minor decisions and I can't think of off the top sure. of my head, probably been a little more open or. No, that's, that's all right. Know, I mean, I think the answer you give is it's, the fact that you didn't have to think about it is is a pretty good indicator that that's your real authentic feeling and that's that's usually mm -hmm. what what folks want to eat up and and I appreciate again I appreciate your honesty all right you and I actually crossed paths uh, a, a couple of times because I think you know we we share some of the same social circles in far reaches but you and I worked at Eric Montross's Father's Day camp together one time and mm -hmm. one of the things I want to throw out there is you probably have the most high selling or one of the most high selling uh, jerseys in, in the history of Carolina basketball. What's it like? And this is something that, that jumped out to me when, when we were at that camp, what's it like seeing a kid wearing your Jersey pretending to be you. And then the backup to that question is who did Tyler Hansborough pretend to be when he was growing up in, in Poplar Bluff, Missouri? Oh, I love it. I love when I see, <laughs> I love when I see a 50 in the crowd and especially because uh, I guess it's a little coggy, but especially since it's front row, I know it's mine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. Uh, and so I, you know, I take a sense of pride in it, but you know, the funny thing is now is a lot of the kids uh, probably didn't see me play at Carolina. And so the fact that there's still some jerseys every once in a while that I'll see or I'll look at and uh, they haven't seen me play. I think that's really cool. But um, growing up, who did I look look up to? So there was a, a junior college in my hometown. I went to about every game. My grandpa and my dad, we used to go all the time. And so a lot of those players that actually the Trail Spreewell played there. Mm. And uh, in my hometown at this junior college called Three Rivers Community College, and it was coached by Gene Bess. And I used to go to all the summer camps and <laughs> – and I, I, I loved going to those games and loved watching those players. So a lot of those players that 
I grew up watching and kind of idolized. No one's probably ever heard of. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, on the big stage, man, growing up as a kid watching uh, the Jordan Knicks, the Bulls versus Knicks, I was a huge mm-hmm. Jordan fan. I really liked him. And uh, I would say that's – unfortunately, that's the answer for a lot of people. <laughs> but that's my answer. All right. You mentioned Jordan. And clearly you've had interactions with him. What was it like meeting the man? Uh, well, I met him in college once and, uh, it wasn't, wasn't like a long, just came over and dapped him up. And, uh, what it was, was he came to something he was eating at the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And when I walk up there, I was like, all right, uh, what's going on over here? <laughs> and I, I see Jordan over there eating with a, a bunch of people. So I walk over there and I said, damn, man, you had to steal my spotlight tonight. <laughs> my spot. What are you doing? And uh, I thought that was really funny. And he dapped me up and started laughing. Um, but uh, now when I signed with the Hornets and I played uh, there, it was uh, it was pretty cool being around Jordan and seeing, you know, seeing kind of like his – his passion for winning and stuff. So it was, you know, he's, he's the man. So yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. It's, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, like, man, you're in my seat. Not, <laughs> not many people can get away right. with telling Michael Jordan that let's, uh, <laughs> you mentioned Phil Ford earlier and we were talking about you being and staying in school for years. Phil Ford, the story he's always told is Dean told him to go after his junior year, told him to go pro. You need to go. And he said, that's fine and well, but who's going to tell my mama? Because she valued the education and all. And, and the fact that you had your granddad to, to ground you and keep you there. Um, it's fascinating to see guys leave so early. And we've talked about this on this podcast with other guys. We've talked about it a lot on Inside Carolina. Is like nowadays, whether it's Duke or even Carolina to a certain extent, there's guys that come in that you don't even remember. You know, you don't even remember they played there. Your opinion, and I don't want you to call out guys or whatever. Everybody has to make their choice. But what do you think about the culture or, or the the what college basketball has sort of become a little bit in the last half decade, decade, where guys just – it's a pit stop. You mentioned how your life would be different if you if it was a pit stop for you. I, I've never viewed it as a pit stop. Uh, but, um, you know, everyone's – everyone's situation is different. Um, so, um, when I was coming out, you could just go straight from high school. So a lot of kids, uh, went to the draft and didn't get drafted. And a lot of people had success. So, um, the culture now, do I think a lot of kids, um, could, uh, benefit from staying in college and getting a little more coaching? Uh, absolutely. But do I think that there's been other, leagues developed where um, they can get uh, good coaching and develop their game uh, outside of college. Yeah. And so some kids just don't even care about going to college and um, that's unfortunate, but not every college is North Carolina. Not every, not every kid is going to a North Carolina where they're going to have these uh, special moments. So a lot of them don't, they value the next level uh, as the utmost important. What I do think, is a, a bigger deal is who they're listening to that's telling them, telling them that you're yeah. going to be this pick or, hey, you go in the NBA and do this. 
because there's a lot of misinformation given to a lot of kids that a lot of kids will believe. And I think what they do is they forfeit their opportunity opportunity to really grow, get a, get get it, get an education and develop these friendships based off the information that they're hearing from people who may not be as truthful with them. And so to me, that's a little disheartening because I know how hard kids work and I know how hard and difficult the next level is. And a lot of kids aren't ready for it. And if they, a lot of kids may be ready uh, at a basketball level, but from a maturity and a business yeah. perspective, they just can't take that. And so that's, um, that's something else that you have to figure out. But I like the way the NCAA is going. And I like how – I think college basketball is going to be pretty good. And so regardless of whether they're going to keep doing one-and-dones, but I think, I think we're going to see more guys starting to stay. And I think that's why you see the rise in teams like Gonzaga or Villanova is because they get those kids that are usually going to be there for – four years that were kind of the fringe guys, but now all of a sudden one or duns are going to Velanova and Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be interested to see if they can maintain that with getting all these, uh, these high profile recruits now, but yeah, you're right. Uh, a lot of kids should look at what, uh, what they can benefit from staying in college. And I don't think they really weigh the positive and negatives uh, before they make that decision. And a lot of times the positives aren't uh, really what they think they are. And so that's a little disheartening. Speaking of experiences, okay. Freshman year, you guys went out of the tournament fairly early. Sophomore year, Georgetown in the Elite Eight, um, which Dewey Burke talks about how just absolutely devastating that was for him being his last year. Kansas in 08 – championship in 09 does that championship in 09 happen if 07 and 08 aren't such bitter endings the championship in 09 happens regardless of what happened the years before uh because we were so talented and we we're we were by far the best team in college i don't care how many losses we had or what happened the years before we were winning in 09. But I will say the fact that we lost to Kansas the year before, um, it put a drive in us uh, that summer to really push us and become, you know, almost meet our potential. And so I think that was good for us. But I think we, we win in 09 regardless. But um, Georgetown, Georgetown was extremely tough. We also had some young players. And so that was, uh, that was a tough loss, but um, if you're going to compare the Georgetown or Kansas loss, there's, Kansas is the toughest loss. It's not even close. Um, losing to coaches all or coaches where he just coached and then, uh, you know, having the, the fans at Kansas giving Coach Williams a bunch of, you know, saying things to him and for what he's done for that program. I know he really wanted to win that game. And so I was kind of upset that we couldn't really pull it out. And it was a really tough loss. And um, that was just a bad situation all around. Indeed it was. I know a lot of people um, have talked about the aftermath of that a lot. And um, it, yeah, it, it's, it's it, the 07 game. And, and I guess another layer of my question is, is if you win it in 08, 
does everybody go pro, you know, or, 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 you know, like in 05, they win it and people, everybody goes pro. Well, anyway, it's interesting. Let me take a second to talk about Johnny t-shirt and take a short break here. Um, and we'll get back to it. Cause I do want to ask a comparison question for you. And I want your honest opinion. This is a inside Carolina.com podcast, certainly sponsored by Johnny t-shirt, Johnny t-shirt.com. They look after us. They look after all our inside Carolina listeners and subscribers, especially because you get 10% off your order. If you order from them online, use the code that you get being a premium subscriber. This is the Inside Carolina Podcast. That's Joey Powell. I'm Tommy Ashley. Special guest, Tyler Hansbrough. We'll be right back after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, folks, if you're on YouTube, you didn't miss us. If you're on the podcast, you heard some national ads. This is the Inside Carolina 40 Club podcast. We've got Tyler Hansblow. It's the Bro. 50 Club tonight, dude. I'm 50. Oh, that's great. Come on, that's, man. You, you, uh, you, we, you got it. We got we, number 50. It ain't all about you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't take that one. I can't own that one. Tyler, 05 versus 09. We asked Jawad this, by the way. We've asked some of the other guys uh, that have been on either team, and the, you can imagine how the answer split. So it's your chance to weigh in on this this ever popular question. Well, first of all, why, <laughs> did, why does nobody say seventeen? Um, you know, just, those guys were still babies then, and you guys are old. <laughs> we could, okay. Well, let's throw in seventeen. They're the. I mean, that's. I mean, we gotta agree that they're the. There's there's no it's either 09 or 05, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. The seven seventeen is totally distracting answer. Right All right. Now. I just like saying that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the attempt at the diversion, but we're oh, we're gonna go back to 05 versus 09. 09 wins. Uh, and the big reason I'm saying that is uh, I'm never gonna admit uh, that 05 is gonna be this. Uh, <laughs> listen, we we have we have more depth than what a lot of people get us credit for. Uh, but I mean, we had, they don't beat us. We're too talented. And, uh, you know, I, that's all I can say. I mean, we, I mean, we had a team. Um, I just don't see them beating us. Who, who is the difference in that game? Is it you or is it Ty or is it Wayne or Danny or whoever? Who, who's the, who Who's is the, the X factor? Yeah. So taking Tyler Zeller. Zeller was hurt uh, in the championship game, but Tyler Zeller played, you know, beginning of the season. So is he hurt or is he out? He's out. Okay. Uh, so we have Ed Davis. Uh, we have Dion, uh, myself at the big position. 
man, I really don't like bringing this one up, but I, I think <laughs> the difference is going to be the bigs. Uh, I just don't think they, you know, Jawad was more of an outside guy. Uh, Marv was more of an outside guy. And so it kind of leaves them vulnerable because we would run a lot and we'd post up and we'd beat people up on the glass. But you do have Wayne, DG, uh, Ty, and uh, – I mean, we had, I mean, we had depth too. So it's, uh, I just, you know, I just think we're talented. Obviously they're really good as well, but I don't think they have the talent that we do. And Dion probably doesn't get the credit he deserves um, for how good he played. Uh, on A that monster game against Michigan state. Absolute yeah, monster. I mean, game. Unbelievable. So people don't talk about him much, but he, he, he did some big things for us in 09 was a huge piece. I He's certainly he, living the life now, but uh, yeah, south of Spain, you think? <laughs> yeah. Let me ask a question: Did that game ever happen? Did Did you guys, when the guys came back to school, what's the closest y'all ever got to being able to recreate? That game would never happen. Uh, there would be. <laughs> I mean, it would be too. Can you imagine trying to ref that game? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I want no part of that. <laughs> No, that game. No, we never played it. I mean, the closest you get is a pickup game, but that's uh that's totally different. All right, I got a I got one for you talking about the legendary pickup games in the summer, and we've mentioned a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of it, like you said, because you were shy and didn't didn't talk a lot or didn't you know do a ton of of interviews. But I got to ask: there's a bit of a cult story out there that involves one of these summer games where uh, you and uh, Jerry Stackhouse was in the game as well. And you got the best of him on a break and uh, may or may not have punched one on him. And then apparently the, the way the, the way the, you know, innuendo and, and the legend goes is that you may have looked at him and strongly yelled weight room. Now, again, we all know we all know the stories about, you know, how diligent you were with your body and how adamant you were with Jonas and just what a what a again, the psycho team moniker about how hard you went at it. I want you to confirm or deny yes or no. And you don't have to get into it if you don't want to. But just give me a yes or no. Did that story ever happen? As bad as I want to plead the fifth right now, that story did not happen. Uh, I used to say weight room a little bit uh, kind of as a trash talking uh, uh-huh. kind of thing. But I never, I never dunked on Jerry. Uh, but that rumor spread, and <laughs> yeah, people love that. And so there'd be sometimes I'm just like, oh yeah, it was a great moment. But no, that did not happen. Well, man, I, I so look as much as I would, lo- you know, I would love you to have confirmed and said that it happened, so we could kind of keep the, I guess the the myth alive. You know, I hate to be the squasher of dreams out there, but I do appreciate you answering the question. That's um, that's one that always kind of one that always kind of got out there that just fascinates me. And I think we'll probably still fascinate our subscribers to think the what if about a lot of those games. Let me ask you this. You talked about the, the NBA and I loved your perspective about kids getting bad information and kind of how they may not be necessarily mentally ready for the NBA. You stayed four years of college and went and played in the league. Did you enjoy the NBA? Like, you know, aside from playing basketball, which you've admitted that you love, did you enjoy the NBA outside of the games? Yes, I, I like the NBA. The NBA, I mean, it's, it's, a, I mean, it's the top of your sport. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had a great time. I made a lot of relationships. Uh, looking back, I wish, I, you know, there were some times I wish I would approach it just a little bit different. But the game was changing. The game was changing when I got there. And so the power forward position, which I play, 
uh, is pretty much, you know, it's extinct now. And so um, I had that going against me, but I enjoyed my time in the NBA. Uh, it was great. And uh, no, the NBA is, is great. Um, who do you, who do you like in today's game? You know, I, I, you mentioned the fact that it was morphing a little bit and the, the four positions so different than it was. Cause you see so many teams running four and even five out. Who do you like in today's game? And we got the finals going on right now. And, you know, Jonas and, uh, you see guys like Chris Paul still playing and doing well. Devin Booker's an amazing talent. Who, do, who does Tyler Hansborough like, or whose game do you do you love to watch right now? I love watching Jokic. I like watching the Joker. Uh, and half the reason I like watching him is because he looks like – you would never imagine this guy is the MVP of the league uh, mm-hmm. when he walks in uh, to play. I mean, he looks – honestly, he looks a little out of shape. And uh, – then you see him play and he's putting up numbers and he's making incredible passes and he's a big man. So I like watching him play. Uh, I'm a big fan of Chris Paul, what he's done this year. I think the fact that um, he's able to lead a team at this age and kind of turn his NBA perspective around when a lot of people have written him off. Mm-hmm. I think that story is incredible. Um, I've always liked LeBron. I've always thought he's an incredible talent and he's one of the premier athletes when you talk about people uh, in this generation of who would you go to watch, who would you pay money for? LeBron's got to be, if not one, two. Um, He's incredible. Um, Best player you ever played with? Like on on your roster, best player you ever played with? And it doesn't have to be like the marquee guy. Like, you know, it could be somebody that – like a JaVale McGee who I never thought would have – the career he's had but who's the best player that you in your opinion played with man I played on some good some good NBA teams I was on the Pacers when we went to the Eastern Conference Finals mm-hmm. uh, I thought Paul George is probably about as talented of a player that I played with mm-hmm. uh, on a team but I would say David West was one of the most surprising guys um, from the aspect of like you talk about somebody that's strong. Yeah. David West was strong and somebody who could uh, – one of the most reliable mid-range jump shots you've ever seen in the game. And his post moves were always good. He had the right hand and left hand. So when uh, the Pacers signed David West, I remember playing against him. I was like, man, this guy's legit. He's one of the best players I've played with and probably the most talented and, the you know – would probably be Paul George. Paul George overall, you probably have to take Paul George. And also I played with Roy Hibbert. A lot of people knock on Roy Hibbert, but I played with Roy when he was one of the best uh, best bigs in the league. He could do everything. He could pass. He could block. Uh, he had great post moves. And he doesn't really get the credit he deserves because he's kind of big. Yep. And he looks a little goofy. And people just uh, – unintelligent basketball people just tend to knock him. But he was highly effective – and he was the best defensive player I've ever played with. Yeah, that, David West, man, Joey, you, you knock my, where I live. David West is from right down the road. Garner Road Garner. alumnus. A lot of people have come through that Garner Road program that, are, that have had amazing careers. Uh, he, uh, he, he could play. I remember when he was a, a, a young kid. And it's I love that Tyler dropped out. I, I love the first thing Tyler went to was his strength because that's one thing you watch David West, and he's like – always seems like he's had that old man strength right like just that that you're not going to root him out and I love that's the first thing Tyler went to and I love the I love the reference of the Joker because that's the guy at the Y that kicks your ass and he's MVP of the league (laughs) and and could play let me ask you a question 
this I'm curious. What who whipped you on the basketball court? Uh I would say in school, when I was in school, one of the toughest guys to play uh <laughs> pickup was against Voss Eptimont. I'm probably said his last name wrong, but Voss, who played here at UNC a long mm-hmm. time ago, he is extremely strong. The Bulgarian bull. Yeah. <laughs> he was a European player. And uh, I know you have some some big-time Carolina basketball uh, fans that will kind of go back in the archives and know who he is. But currently, uh, <laughs> the, the younger generation will have no clue, but he could hoop. And he was in – he was in Chapel Hill every summer, every pickup game uh, when I was in school. And uh, he was great to play against. He was a big personality, too. I loved him. And uh, he was – he would beat me up a little bit. Voss – so I'm, I'm dating myself. You know, Tyler, we always rag on Tommy for being a 1,000 years old. But um, <laughs> Voss was in school when I was. So that's – I can't really say he's that old because I would be absolutely destroying my own age. But go ahead, Tommy. Sorry. Yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just here. That's uh, I, I know you've got things to do, and, and this has been a great podcast. I, we could go on forever talking about it, but let's sort of turn to this year. Um, well, let me ask you about last year. Coach Williams, you mentioned it a little bit before. What, tell me what Coach Williams means to you and what you thought um, when he announced his retirement. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't think Coach was going to retire this year. Um, I thought he had a few more years in him. And I'm not saying I wish he was still here. Uh, I, you know, I was, uh, gosh, I wish he wouldn't have been. The only thing I wish he wouldn't have done on April 1st. Right. uh, Because (laughs) I remember I get a call from from Eric Hoots, a good buddy of mine. And he says, hey, um, Coach Williams is retiring. He's going to have a press conference today. And I remember I was like, what? And uh, and he was kind of emotional. And I just couldn't believe it. And then I hung up and I started having a little coffee. And then I was like, hey, it's April 1st. I call Hoots back. And I said, Hoots, it's April Fool's. And he said, hey, buddy, I wish it was, but this is – this is uh, this is not an April Fool's joke. And I remember when it happened, I had a golf round. And uh, I was like, damn, I'm going to have to – I can only play nine, and which was pretty selfish. But I wish I wouldn't get a little more heads up because I was really looking forward to this round with some people. And so I left after the ninth, the ninth uh, hole and I went to the Dome uh Wes called me Wes was coming to town so we ride over we ride together to the Dean Dome and and then it's kind of hit me I was like wow this is this is for real and uh you know I was I'm happy for coach now because I've I've talked to coach and I've seen coach since and there's a new more relaxed side to coach that a lot of people haven't seen and uh that I'm, I'm extremely happy that he gets to enjoy his life uh, the way he wants to do and spend time with his family, his wife, and catch up on a lot of things, which kind of puts everything in perspective when we talk about basketball and everything. And so um, I'm extremely happy that he's able to do that now. And talking to coach and seeing coach, uh, he seems to be as happy as I've ever seen him. So 
I'm extremely happy that he's retired. I'm happy for him. Uh, but what Coach Williams has meant to me as a person, Coach Williams has been an example of how to do things the right way for ever since I got to school. I don't think Coach Williams has ever done anything that he knew was wrong but still did it. I always thought he did the right thing. And that's something that attracted me to Carolina. And Coach Williams is one of the most honest people that I've ever I've ever met in my life, and I was lucky enough to play for him. And so that relationship and what he's taught me is probably more than anything or anybody could ever do on the basketball court. But basketball-wise, he came in every single practice. He gave everything he had, and he coached, and he also treated us like humans. And so uh, that is something that will always stick with me and uh, will always be something that uh, I look up to Coach Williams for. Clearly, you can see the emotion. Let me ask the follow-up. Uh, he looks, he looked very tired the last season or two. As a as a guy that's known him as well as you have, how tough was it to see Coach Williams dealing with the stress of not being as good as Carolina normally is, not having the record? I mean, a lot of former guys have said that was that was tough, but transpose that to now I, mean, I saw a picture today he's got a full beard he's i'm just playing tan. golf he looks great like his face is fuller <laughs> he just dude looks like he's living i know i said like dion's living a life coach williams is living the life he's which right. is yeah he's right there pretty too. awesome but i mean talk about the last couple years as a as a guy as a carolina guy watching and, and seeing how that's gone down it was tough and a big reason why it was so tough is because I felt like we did have some players that kind of left early. And so it was tough because I don't think he was able to have the impact that he had on past teams uh, with present teams because he wasn't, you know, usually it takes, uh, it takes a while to get somebody to know how Coach Williams wants to play, the up and down style, and kind of like let Coach Williams grow on you. And I don't think he was able to really – teach and coach like he really wanted to because guys were going away. And sometimes, you know, the culture has changed a little bit and uh, um, it's a little more sensitive with kids now. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to, you can't be as, uh, as tough as you used to be on kids. And I could tell um, there was stress weighing on coach Williams because he's the most competitive person, one of the most competitive people I've ever met. And I can't imagine uh, the stress he was going through uh, trying to win everything he possibly could do and uh, losing games. And, you know, he needed he needed that break. He needed to get away from the game, not just for his family, but for himself, you know, as a human too. So uh, I could definitely see that weighing on him. And it was tough. Uh, Hubert Davis is, is still a little different to say Hubert Davis is the head coach now at North Carolina. Um Carolina family, obviously. What's that mean to continuing that? Um, I know we talked to Dewey, and Dewey had some strong feelings about the Carolina family in particular guys. Um, but now that Hubert's in, in place and he's had a great start recruiting and all, um, where do you see this 21-22 version? I mean – how excited are you to watch Carolina basketball this coming fall? I'm, I'm always excited for Carolina basketball, uh, but uh, I'm excited for coach Davis. I'm, I'm excited for the guys. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I think he brings a, a whole new kind of a, I don't want to say if the guys are, you know, rejuvenated or feel like they're going to get more, but I, you know, I'm, I'm excited for coach Davis. I'm excited for the team. I'm excited for the guys. I know they're working really hard and uh, I really like what he's done. And um, obviously, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a little different for a lot of people, but Coach Davis can do a great job. I've always liked Coach Davis. Uh, he's uh, – I remember when I was in school, he'd come back and play a little bit. But uh, he's hes one of the nicest people I've ever met. And he has a – you know, he has, you know, he has a lot of energy and passion, which I really like. And I think that's rubbing off on the kids. And I can see that a lot of – a lot of the – a lot of the players right now are working really hard. So I like that. So you're segueing for me. We're getting ready to wrap this up with Tyler Hansbrough. I could relist all of his accolades, but that would kill the remaining time that we have with the guy. Tyler, you've had a chance to see some of these guys up close. You know, first off, you, you're foray into broadcasting, which I didn't expect. And full disclosure, and, and I don't mean this to sound bad, you were so much better than, than I think a lot of people would have given you credit for, myself included. So um, before I get back to the current roster, what made you decide you wanted to, to give broadcasting a try? They gave me a call. They gave me a day heads up. And they're like, hey, <laughs> you want to broadcast the game? And I was like, I don't know. And it was actually – it was Hoots again, Eric Hoots. And he's like, now you told me if one of these opportunities presents itself right. uh, to call you. And uh, because I had gotten a podcast, I was trying to get more uh, – a little more comfortable sure. uh, speaking and talking and engaging. And so I thought it would be good for me. And so <laughs> he uh, – He's like, what, what else are you going to do? you just going to sit on your couch? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I'll do it. And so um, it was really cool. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And uh, I learned a lot. And, yeah, so I think I loosened up and got better as the game went on. But the, my whole – the favorite part to the whole thing was me was uh, – <laughs> is some of the comments I got. I thought it was hilarious that uh, – the first half, I guess I was really boring. And so I like, uh, <laughs> I like seeing the fans' uh, comments talking about, well, I'm going to need an extra cup of coffee. Tyler, <laughs> and uh, my girlfriend texts me and she's like, hey, show a little energy. And so <laughs> well, the second half, I kind of, you know, loosened up a little Savage, bit. Savage, man. Loving when the girlfriend's shooting you texts at halftime telling you to, telling you to change your approach. Right. <laughs> well, look, at, again, I, I think it's I think it's a it's a good fit for you. You've, you felt natural, like you said, as the game went along. And, you know, all of us, all of us sideline broadcasters here can can appreciate the, the chance you had. Glad you jumped at it. All right. Last question. Um, and then we'll, we'll let you go unless there's something else you, you want to drive home. You've had a chance to see some of these guys. And you mentioned a second ago about, you know, seeing maybe the rejuvenation uh, that they've had under Coach Davis. Who do you like on the current roster? And, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, if you don't feel like calling names, that's okay. But just want to see what are your thoughts on the guys that, that they currently have? Is there anybody that you were surprised by? Or, or just what do you think the new style of play might be under Coach Davis versus what, what Coach Williams did for so many years? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I haven't even asked uh, anybody what the style is going to be, but I would imagine it's maybe a little more modern. Uh, we, we tend to have a, you know, we don't have that many bigs uh, looking at it, um, but uh, 
No, I'm extremely excited for the team. I think they're working really hard. Uh, in particularly, I really like what Kerwin did last year. I felt like mm-hmm. he kind of, kind of just kind of almost came out of nowhere. I don't think we we're we we're really expecting him to do the things that he did. And I also liked his approach. I felt like he made the most of uh, what he was given. He, I don't think he was playing heavy minutes in the beginning mm-hmm. and just kind of picked his spots to kind of score and had a positive impact. And you could see him keep adding things to his game and then keep having a bigger and bigger impact on the game. I wish more kids would kind of use that as an example as, hey, when you're given your opportunity, make the most of it, whether it's one minute, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, have a positive impact on the game, whether it's scoring, getting a rebound, or just playing hard. And I really liked his approach, but I like Armando. I thought Armando really – really grew a lot from his freshman to sophomore year. I felt like he finished a, a lot better around the rim and played through contact, played through contact. Uh, but uh, I think Caleb's going to be great next year. Um, but I think a lot of guys are going to step up that we probably haven't talked about in grow because uh, the whole, the kind of COVID and not having a summer of like kind of getting to know each other or pick up having the practice times and the awkwardness of the season, I think really put some people behind. Uh, So I think we could see some, you know, kids, you know, start to practice more, get a little more comfortable, like RJ step up. And I think he's capable of playing big. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You still enjoy going in and playing with all the young guys? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love playing pickup. Yeah. It's a special place. Are you the, are you the guy um, that just goes out there and leaves bloody eyebrows. Yeah, are, are, and you, bloody are you Bosco now? I'm not. I don't. <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, me and uh, Joel James ran into each other, uh, and man, that was he's a, he's such a big dude. Uh, I probably took the bad end of that, but uh, no, I, I do. I try not to because I don't want to go out there at this age and just. But, you know, I am. I'm going to play hard regardless if it's in pickup or if it's <laughs> on the tournament. So there, there's occasionally there, it happens. So Well, we appreciate you continuing that, uh, that personal drive and bringing the energy to this podcast. Uh, it's been amazing. Again, I will stick by my comment early on that this is going to be one of the most popular uh, and probably will be the most popular interview we've ever done. So I appreciate your part in that, man, and, and for, for making this happen. Uh, Good luck to you. You know, I, I, you're still planning on going back to China. Yeah, I plan on playing next year uh, in China uh, or you know overseas somewhere. So awesome. Well, good luck to you. I hope that you do well. I know you'll enjoy yourself, and and you always represent this community well. So, we at Inside Carolina, I appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, you know, Tyler Hansborough, y'all. I, I've got nothing else to say about the guy that hasn't already been said in a thousand different Sports Illustrated and ESPN articles. But Tommy, we appreciate you joining us as always. Tyler, we appreciate you taking the time and being so honest with us. I know our subscribers are going to lap this up. I want to give a big shout-out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring the show. Shout-out to John Siegley for producing. And for Tommy Ashley and for Big 50, a.k.a. Big Hawk, a.k.a. Tyler Hansbro, I'm just Joey Powell. We appreciate you joining this episode of The 40 Club here on InsideCarolina.com. We'll talk at you down the road late.